Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. I got to remember when things are bad, that what's really bad right now, but God promises that all things, this too, all things work together for the good of, of one group. Those that love God are the called according to his purpose. So long as you're that group, love the Lord, called according to his purpose, God says then just hang, just hang in there long enough. And this bad situation is going to turn out for good. So many examples in the scriptures of those that went through it. I think of Joseph. His trial was a lifetime. You know, we think about Job. Then you go read Joseph's story. In your faith journey, are there ever times when it feels like nothing is going your way? Are you ever trying your hardest to serve the Lord with all that you are, but feel left alone with no support? In today's message, Pastor Bill wants you to know that if your faith is in the power of Jesus Christ, you have nothing to be afraid of. He is always by your side, always listening to your prayers, and will always be there for you in your times of greatest need. Never doubt the almighty power of the Lord. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Esther, chapter 8, as he continues his message, Divine Rehearsals. Bullies love to fight people that don't want to fight, right? Have you ever seen a bully? Bullies like, they love picking people that don't really want that smoke. They really don't want to fight. The bully's nightmare is somebody that's like, somebody that punches back. Find you that find the, the bully don't want nothing to do with that. And so I believe that that's what happens here. They they write they're going to write a counteract that says they're going to be able to defend. They're going to be able to go after those that come after them and they're backed by the king. And I think it'll shut everything down. That's that's what we're going to see transpire. And so let's look now at verse nine. It says, so the king's scribes were called at that time in the third month, which is the month of Sivan. On the 23rd day, and it was written according to all that Mordecai commanded to the Jews, the satraps, the governors and the princes of the provinces from India to Ethiopia, 127 provinces at all to every province in its own script, to every people in their own language and to the Jews in their own script and language. And he wrote in the name of King Ahasuerus, sealed it with the king's signet ring and sent letters by couriers on horseback, riding on royal horses, bred from swift steeds. And I want you to consider this right here, right? This, this, um, this new decree that's going out to counteract the other decree, to let people know there's going to be a way for them to live, that, that someone, there's something that's been done on their behalf. I want you to see the urgency it goes out with. Um, it says that once it's all written out, every province and every nation and everyone's script and everyone is going out for everyone is going to be in a way that everybody can hear it and read it and understand it. And it said we put it on royal horses bred from swift steeds. We didn't put this on a slow donkey. We didn't put this on a orangutan. We put this on not no hippos. We put this on swift steeds. We want this information to get out fast and far. We want everyone to hear it. Uh, as you hear that, what is the message that we're to be carrying with that kind of urgency? The gospel, right? There should be this same kind of urgency because this is good news. When the provinces get this, they, they've already had the bad news, was hung up in the citadel, y'all going to die. Well, now there's good news. and know now you can, you can fight back. Something's been done for you guys. They said, get this good news. They need to hear it as soon as possible. I hope that we'll take from this just a reminder tonight of the urgency that we should have 
to tell people the good news, that people need to hear the good news of what Christ has done because death had been spoken against them, but now they get to go speak life. They get to go say, no, not death now. This, this can happen instead for you guys. They get to go share this message with, and everybody needs to hear it as soon as possible. And so, um, they're very diligent to quickly get this message out far and wide. And again, I believe that we want to have that same kind of urgency and passion to get out with the gospel. Um, sometimes believers can kind of get relaxed, um, that we got ours and we can forget that there are people around us that, are where we used to be and they're dependent on you. It's God's method of getting the gospel shared is that those who have received it would share it. Uh, that's God. God could pick, God could stick his head out the cloud, go boo, I'm God. And, and everybody could hear it and see it. But God said, that's not how I do it. That's not my method. I want you that have been saved by grace through faith to share me with other people. I want you to be the bearers of the good news. And so I'm, I'm exhorting us that we would be faithful, that we'd be looking for opportunities. Uh, many of you guys, some of you guys were in the class that we just finished uh, on sharing our faith. And I hope that you're, you're I hope you're stirred up to, to, to more so be looking out to be an opportunist and sharing the Lord, looking for ways to, you know, looking for ways to get that message in places and turn a conversation gospel wise. You know, um, I, I remember when I was not saved, if I was in the world, there was, if I wanted to get a conversation going a certain way, I was pretty bold about just turning the conversation that way. And then I find that some people that were that way as non-believers, you know, they just said whatever they wanted when they weren't saved. They get saved and they get all careful. It's, I'm not, I don't see, it doesn't seem like it's the right time. I don't know if it's the right moment. I just doesn't feel it doesn't feel right right now. I'm like, that never mattered before. You know, when I was when I was lost, if I was at the club and I was trying to I, it didn't matter if it felt like the right. I just said it right. I said what I said and you and that was it. And so I just want to encourage you guys with the gospel. It, it won't ever feel right. There's always going to be it could there's a spiritual warfare in this. There's always going to be something saying it could go wrong. What if they <laughs> all these different things? Tell them anyway. Tell them anyway. Maybe maybe they may be low hanging fruit and you don't even know it. They may be just waiting for someone to explain the gospel to them. They may have just this one question for you to answer before they bow their knee to Jesus. You might be the one to sow the seed or water the seed. You might be coming behind some kid whose parents raised them in the Lord and they went away from the Lord and, and they walk into you and you, you, you're saying what they've heard their whole life. But you just, you, you just it's another voice saying the same thing and they finally clicks. You never know. You never know that you can be that person. And so uh, we want to be diligent and passionate about sharing this good news that we have. Because just like the good news that they're about to hear is going to change their life and perspective, so too the good news that we have to share will change a person's life and perspective on everything. And so moving on now, look at verse 11. It says, by these letters, the kings permitted the Jews who were in every city to gather together and protect their lives to destroy kill and annihilate all the forces of any people or province that would assault them, both little children and women, and to plunder their possessions. On one day in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus on the 13th day of the 12th month, which is the month of Adar, a copy of the document was to be issued as a, de a decree in every province and published for all people so that the Jews would be ready on that day to avenge themselves on their enemies. The couriers who rode on the royal horses went out, 
hastened and pressed on by the king's command, and the decree was issued in the in Sushan, the citadel. So, uh, again, what they're told that they're able to do is for those who would assault them, they have permission from the king to they can get buck with them. They can kill them, destroy them. They can go after them for what they are doing. Um, they're able to protect themselves. And so um, previously that was not in order for them. Now it is. They're able to protect themselves even to the death. And so now it looks a lot less. Uh, I think it's a lot less uh, tempting or alluring to mess with them because now they have permission from the king to wipe you out and your wife and your children. And so once people hear that, it's like, well, maybe we're just going to leave them be. And that's essentially what happens. They, they're going to they're going to get to be they're, they're not going to they're not going to have the problem that they were going to have previously. And so God has intervened again. If you were a Jew at this time, this is great news. This is wonderful news that now the king is with us and we have favor with the king. He essentially he's on our side. Check this out. The Jews are foreigners in this area. This is not their land. This is their they're hanging out here. But now because of Esther's relationship to the king, they now have favor with the king. Right. The king pretty much told Esther, you guys write it up out and sign it with my ring. And it's as if it came from me. And so those that are in charge are those that belong to the Lord. And so a few things, uh, just a few little things I thought of in this in this section. One, uh, we'll talk about self-defense. Two, um, we'll talk about because we're living in a very political climate. We'll see that it does make a difference when people of faith are in positions of power. Right. Um, so one, uh, I've, I've had this question many times where people say, is it as a Christian, is it OK to defend yourself or are we always supposed to just kind of like, yeah, it's just because I'm a Christian, do I got to just I got to let somebody take advantage of me? Um, if I'm a, as a Christian, if somebody punches me, do I have a recourse for that? Or, you know, if, if I if I take martial arts, can I use that as a Christian? Is that OK? Um, can I can I have a little fun with you guys tonight and throw that question out to you guys as a Christian? Can you defend yourself? I heard a lot of someone tell me why I heard. Yes. And someone tell me yes. And why I can defend myself? Why? I know that God does not want us to walk in the flesh. I know that there are times where God will have us to humble ourselves. And I do believe that in, in times, if it's a matter of defense or protection, uh, I'm of the persuasion of something we're happening to a child, a woman, an elderly person, or me, or little old me. Um, it, you know, this, this, this body is not mine. It belongs to the Lord. It was purchased with his blood. So if I protect it in the name of Jesus, I'm okay. Uh, that's, 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 I believe that, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna share with you a piece of heresy. Um, the guy that led me to the Lord long, long time ago, we were having this discussion about turn the other cheek. And as a new believer, I was like, bro, no way, ain't no way ever. I would turn the other cheek. And then I thought on it long and hard and I figured out how I could turn the other cheek. Now, this is not for you to do. This is a joke. But it used to be, this is my philosophy. So I'm like, if someone smacked me on this cheek and I turned the cheek, right? To turn the other cheek, I'm like, well, while I'm throwing my right, I'm kind of, I turn as I throw. So I turn the other cheek, you know, I, I'm, I'm throwing a mean right while I do so. Uh, that, that used to be how I, I interpreted that verse. As a new believer, I've, I've grown since then. So 
Uh, but I, I do believe that we can we can defend. Obviously, right here, God has set them up to be able to defend themselves from their enemies. And then, um, you know, we see right now that God has elevated Esther. And because of her, uh, also God has elevated M Mordecai. And God has now put in charge of the situation people that belong to him. Now, what if Mordecai and Esther were wicked and vengeful and evil? They could have taken this much further, but they just said, look, we just want to be able to defend ourselves. We ain't starting nothing. We didn't ask for permission to go after anybody. We just say, if you come for us, we'll deal with you. But if not, if, if you guys want to chill out and stay at home, we could go. We, hey, everybody's good. Have a good day. Right. So um, and I think that's the importance of it is important. We do want godly people in charge. If, if we can find some, uh, you know, if they seem to be it seem to be in, in short or in short, um, in short supply these days. It seems like our political climate is those that make it in politics are usually grimy. This, this usually these are the these are the grimiest of the grimy. It seems, and so so we pray for them. Um, but if ever we can get godly people in charge of stuff, um, you know that 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 is what that would honor God the best. People that are going to make decisions that honor the Lord. And so now moving on, look at verse fifteen. It says, "So Mordecai went out from the presence of the king." Look at how look at how he's decked out. Remember what, what did Mordecai have on last time you heard about it? He had on sackcloth. And Esther said, take that sackcloth off. He said, no, I'm not taking off my sackcloth. It's a bad day out here for the Jews. But look at him now. I want you just to look at the, the divine reversal. This brother's decked out. He got gear. Uh, it says, Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in royal apparel of blue and white with a great crown of gold and a garment of fine linen and purple, and the city of Sushan rejoiced and was glad. Now, what I think is so cool about this is Mordecai didn't go after this. He, didn't, he wasn't seeking any of this, was he? What was Mordecai seeking? The well-being of his, of his little cousin, Esther. That's what he was seeking. He was looking out for her, and then he was looking out for the well-being of the Jewish people. You really haven't seen him looking out for number one. Right. Everything he's done has been with her in mind, then with the rest of the Jews in mind. But he hasn't been out here looking for some prestige or something for himself. He was looking out for the king when he heard about the plot to kill the king. This is I mean, he's looking out for others. But now look at what the Lord has done for him as he hasn't sought these things. Uh, the Bible says if you would seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. What does it say? And all these things, he'll be added to you. And the kingdom of God is so different. And in the, in, the, in the kingdom of this world, you seek what you want. You go after it. You got to go get it. But in the kingdom of God, you go after God. You, you, don't, you don't go after the stuff. You go after God and everything God has for you. You will find it on that path as you, as you pursue him, as you seek him. And so be careful of going after the thing. Go after the Lord, Right. Delight yourself also in the Lord, he says, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Uh, Mordecai has not pursued these things, and, but he has them now. It, these things are his by God's providence, God's blessing upon his life. He didn't go after the cool clothes, but now he has them. He didn't ask for the crown, but now he's sporting it. He didn't ask for the position, but it has been given to him. He didn't ask for this house, but now my man got a crib crib. Um, that he got Haman's house now. I mean, this, this just has to be a great turn of events for Mordecai. Look at verse 16. 
It says the Jews had light and gladness, joy and honor. And in every province and city, wherever the king's command and decree came, the Jews had joy and gladness, a feast and a holiday. Then many of the people of the land became Jews because fear of the Jews fell upon them. Now, this is this is amazing, too. Right now, first of all, I want to I want to talk about just the transformation and the divine reversal that people that were sad just a little while earlier, people that were crying out for God's mercy and God's help just a little while earlier. Things have so radically turned around where now they were mourning and crying just days ago. But now they're rejoicing says there's light and gladness and joy and honor. Um, There's a verse in Psalms 30, verse 5. It says, for his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for life. It says, weeping may endure for a night. But what? Joy comes in the morning. So with the Lord, there could be difficult times. There's no promise of no difficulty for the believer. But God's like, I'll turn it around. I'm able to turn those things around. It may be difficult. Maybe you're in the difficult night right now and you just need to be encouraged that God does turn those things around over in Isaiah chapter 61, verse three. Uh, you should go read the whole thing. Uh, it just talks about, you know, the, the, some of the reasons why the Lord Jesus was going to come. Um, but one of the things it says in verse three, that he's going to console those who mourn in Zion. He's going to give them beauty in place of their ashes, the oil of joy in place of their mourning the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And again, these are all divine, you know, just God just turning things around. That's what he's able to do in our lives. God does it spiritually in our lives, but God also does it situationally. There'll be times where, you know, for me, I can reflect back in my life, you know, and I can remember times that were difficult and God turned them around. I can remember prayer requests that God has answered. I can remember things that were pretty stressful and pressure. And as I look back now and I'm like, wow, God was faithful. I can't look backward in my life as a believer. I can't think of one season where God didn't, wasn't absolutely faithful. Always been absolutely faithful. And every bad season, God has turned it around. All things do ultimately work together for the good of those that love God and are the called according to his purpose. Amen. All things. We got to remember that when when things are bad, right? I got to remember when things are bad that what's well, really bad right now, but God promises that all things, this too, all things work together for the good of, of one group. Those that love God are the called according to his purpose. As long as you're that group, love the Lord, called according to his purpose. God says, then just hang, just hang in there long enough. And this bad situation is going to turn out for good. So many examples in the scriptures of those that went through it. I think of Joseph. His trial was a lifetime. You know, we think about Job. Then you go read Joseph's story. I mean, just from the time he was a young guy, brothers hated him, threw him in a hole, sold him into slavery. You know, God was with them through the slavery and he got accused of rape that he didn't do, put in jail instead of getting killed. Because I think the king, the guy knew he didn't do it. And on and on and on with his life. And at the very, you know, you, you get you get through a whole, it's about a lifetime that it takes for this thing to finally come to fruition. And finally, he's there, second in charge, merciful and gracious, saves his brothers and his family. And God used him to do great things. And I look at that life and I think, man, that's a long time, God, for before it turned around. But it turned around when God was ready. It was a long trial. Maybe you're going through a long trial. Just hang in there. 
One thing you never see Joseph do is fall away from God or question God. That's what you can't do. It, it, it always works out for those that continue with the Lord. I always use Job. Well, Job continued with the Lord and it worked out for Job. Um, you know, God doesn't waste the difficulties and the challenges in the lives of his people. Continue to look to the Lord and the wait on him. Again, the Jews here, they've gone from mourning and wailing and fasting and praying to now there's light and gladness and joy and honor. And they're celebrating and having they're, they're having a, a holiday, you know, about the whole thing. And the last verse here, the last part of verse 15, it says, then many of the people from the land became Jews. These people are converting. They are, they're saying, man, the God of the Jews is no joke. Can we be one? Can I get on the team too? Right? It reminds me of the book of Ruth when, you know, Ruth was trying to leave and, and, um, and Naomi wasn't, wasn't, I'm sorry, Naomi was trying to leave and go back home and Ruth was going to go with her and she was trying to leave both daughters-in-law and Ruth said, look, no, I'm where you go, I'm going to go. Your God is going to be my God. Your people, that's a big deal, Right? Because for these people to become Jews, that means that the God of the Jews had to become their God. This is conversion. These people are changing over. These people are putting their faith in the God of, of, of Israel. And so as Ruth, the Moabites, the Moabite were a cursed people, but she believed and God received her. Well, these people are saying, your God's going to be my God too. They've turned over. So know this, know that when you're going through it and you're going through difficulty, um, as you are trusting in the Lord and waiting on the Lord, sometimes your victory is going to be a witness. Sometimes the way God comes through in your life is going to be a witness to those that are watching of God's power, his faithfulness, his goodness. These people have turned to the God of Israel because they've seen what the God of Israel did for the Jews that are among them. The Jews were the minority. They were not the power group. They were not the politically represented group. They were the minority in the area. And Christians are always going to be the minority. But you know what? We're a powerful minority because we have something that they don't have, which is a relationship with the living God. And God showed up on their behalf. And these people turned around to the Lord. That is the greatest divine reversal when a person goes from death to life through a relationship I'm going to read a verse out of John, John chapter five, verse 24. And I do want to give an opportunity. Maybe you're listening to all of this and we're listening about Esther and you're sitting here and you need to receive Jesus Christ. You need to have your sins forgiven. You need to make that transformation, that transfer from death to life. It's available to you. The Bible says that we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life comes through Jesus Christ and we know that God's heart is to save all who would come to him in faith. John 5, 24 says this. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Right. Whoever hears my word, Jesus is saying, and believes in the father who sent me has everlasting life, shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. So as you're listening, wherever you are tonight, if you're here tonight, you're listening, if you would say, you know what, I'm, I believe that Jesus is God, the God the Father sent God the Son, Jesus. I believe he died for my sins and he rose from the grave and that I can have forgiveness of sins and everlasting life through a relationship with him. And I want that. 
I would love to pray for you tonight that God would begin just a fresh word. That one, that you would enter into relationship with God, uh, that God would begin to work in you and through you in this way. You've been listening to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. Pastor Bill is making his way through the book of Esther, written with a notably skillful writing style. The author of this book is unknown. However, the art of storytelling is obvious and would have had the readers of the day on the edge of their seats. That's not the only interesting fact we find here. Esther is the only book in the Bible to omit God from every single verse. From the text, it is clear that God is present and is setting up the scenes for each, if you will. But while absent from the writing, his presence is felt in every sequence of events as Esther and Mordecai navigate the many challenges they would face. We see them use courage and conviction of faith in God to ultimately change the rule of power and turn an entire city around and back to God. How are you using the power of your faith in God to influence those closest to you? If you're looking for a community where you'll be supported in love, then come see us at Calvary Chapel Inglewood in Inglewood, California. We'll worship and learn together. You can find us online at calvaryinglewood.org. Once again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. There, you'll find everything you need to know and a lot of bonus materials for personal study. For those of you further away, you can be our virtual guest by connecting via Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube, where we live stream our Sunday services. And with that, we've come to the end of our time together. Thanks for joining us, and be sure to come again to A Transforming Word.